0: Welcome to Tell Me About It on WUFT 89.1 and 90.1. I'm Sue Wagner here today with Jackie Levine, and she is the editor of Once Upon a Time in Florida, Stories of Life in the Land of Promises, and it's a composite book. It features stories from more than 50 different authors,
1: and it just was published, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It just came out this week officially. Officially, it was published. So how did this come about Well, for four years, I was editor of Forum Magazine, which is the magazine of Florida Humanities, a nonprofit, which is the state affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. And one of the wonderful things about editing Forum was spending time in the archives, which are held at the University of South Florida um, online. And they've done a wonderful job archiving, going all the way back 35, 40 years of Forum history. And I loved spending time in there. So anytime I would want to assign a story or, or you know, research a story, I would go into the archives. And I found myself kind of unable to escape once I went in because they were so fascinating. There was so, mon- so much treasure in the archives. The stories were just incredible, and they're timeless. Uh, because it's humanities-oriented, we're talking about literature and history and um, in the environment, and food, and just life unfolding in Florida. So the stories were timeless, and as I'm looking through them over the years, I'm thinking, these stories need to see the light, light of day again. And so I, it just occurred to me then that an anthology would be just wonderful. Well, fast forward now, and um, Florida Humanities is planning its 50th anniversary celebration it was founded in 1973. And yeah, and so the idea came up to do an anthology, and I just was thrilled to be able to work on that. Um, So I was, I was editor of Forum for four years, from 2017 to 2021. And immediately in 2021, I began work on this anthology.
0: So it's been a labor of love for about two
1: years now. It has been, and almost exactly two years, and it really has been a labor of love. Um, Not quite as easy as I thought it would be. (laughs) It never is. It never is. No, (laughs) because there are a thousand, at least, stories in the archives, and I thought, oh, you know, picking however many, we weren't sure at that time how many it would be, but we thought, how hard can that be? But the quality of them made them compete so much against each other. And, you know, it's very difficult to leave something on the cutting room floor when you think it's so good, but inevitably we had to do that. But I, I'm really happy with, with what we've got in this anthology. How did you decide what was going to go into the book? Well, you know, I went through, I can't tell you how many times, I went through a lot, and I just, at first, I just pulled out those that I thought were just appealed to me the most for whatever reason. And then I realized that, you know, you could do an anthology. and At this point, we didn't have, have it decided how it was going to work, but it could have been an anthology on history or literature or any of the other um, subjects I was just talking about. And I thought, you know what? This is the 50th anniversary of Florida, Florida Humanities. Let's do something that reflects the history of the state of Florida. So the way I organized it was both chronologically and thematically from the wonderful story that we open up with. And I won't go into too much of that now, but with a wonderful story about the first Floridians who lived here starting about 14,000 years ago by the anthropologist archaeologist Gerald Milanich, who was a curator at the um, Florida Museum of Natural History, and we went from there and divided it into, I think, seven parts, and each part was another theme. But they, it also went at the same time chronologically. So once I organized it into these are the areas we need to cover, then I started culling it down.
0: That's wonderful. So the part of the title is the Land of Promises. Is that kind of a nickname for the state of Florida, or is that just part of the title?
1: It's just part of the title. I don't know if it's a nickname for the state of Florida, but it's obviously... It would be nice. Yeah. It would be nice. <laughs> I mean, Florida is the Land of Promises in, uh, I think, every sense of the word. Um, and many of the promises are kept, and some are not kept. and it's, But yet, it's a state that draws people from all over the world in search of a better life. Um, Both dreamers and schemers, you know, looking just to make their lives better in whatever way under the sun, and also immigrants who come here from all over the world looking for refuge and looking for a new start. So in many ways, it's the land of promises. That's great. So um, you worked on this
0: publication, but did you have a team of other people that you vetted things over?
1: Um, You know what? I have to give a shout out to the University Press of Florida, which distributed the book, but really did much more. And um, I had a woman named Sean Hunter, a senior editor there, who I could run things by and she was helpful. I had a wonderful designer. um, named Louise O'Farrell, who works with um, University Press of Florida. And of course, Nasheed Madayun, who is the executive director of Florida Humanities. Um, I would talk to him uh, about it at times. And so I had a lot of people that I could get feedback from.
0: That's great. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about the different stories in our second segment, but where is this book available? I want to make sure people know in both of our segments exactly how to get their hands on this incredible book. I mean, it, the color version is amazing, and it's it's more than a coffee table book. It's something you won't just look at on the coffee table. You'll actually read this one.
1: You know what? I think you will read this thing, this one. And I'll... It,
0: it captivates you. I just looked at a few things I'm like, wow, I need to read this. I need to
1: <laughs> It's one of these books, and I say this because we had so much rich material to work with, that you're going to learn a lot in every story. And that's what I was looking for, things that, wow, I didn't know this, or maybe I did, but I want to know more. So um, yeah, I'm hoping that people are going to be intrigued by the photos and intrigued by the story topics, but also really intrigued by the the writing and the information that's there—we have wonderful storytellers, which we'll talk about more. But your question: Where can you get this book? So I would like to direct people first to FloridaHumanities.org because, as I was saying, um, Florida Humanities is a fantastic nonprofit that puts on programming and puts on programming, but also works with community partners throughout the state through grants that they give to put on programming about Florida in every nook and cranny of the state. So this book, as it celebrates the 50th anniversary of Florida Humanities, is also a way to reach out and tell people about the work and maybe inspire people to become members. So one way to get the book is becoming a member of um, Florida Humanities you could do, at becoming a member at, I think, at the $120 level, you'll get a 30% discount. At the $300 level, the book is complimentary, as well as also Bob Keeling's wonderful um, Good Day, Sunshine State, which is about when the Beatles came to Florida, another great oh, book, so you get both. very nice. Yeah, yeah it's fantastic. So you would go to um, floridahumanities.org. And I think you're going to have this on your, um, we on your site. We will definitely have the link you can click through. But if you just remember floridahumanities.org, you go there and you will find the book and you'll find the membership levels. Uh, it's also available through um, local booksellers and, you know, your, your regular online sites, all of the online sites. But I would say floridahumanities.org is a, a great way to go. And what date was it officially published? That is a good question, Sue, and I couldn't exactly tell you officially. <laughs> I think yesterday, yesterday, which right. would have been the 20- October 24th, October 24th, was the official date. It's been out for a while now, so mm-hmm. people have been getting copies.
0: Well, great. We're going to talk a little bit more about the different stories that are featured in the book. So we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Welcome back to Tell Me About It on WUFT 89.1 and 90.1. I'm Sue Wagner here today with Jackie Levine, and she is the editor of Once Upon a Time in Florida, Stories of Life in the Land of Promises from the Florida Humanities Organization, and it's celebrating their 50th anniversary, and it's kind of an anthology of all these wonderful stories. You said you went through the archives at the University of South Florida, and you found the ones that pretty much um, told the story of Florida and would also captivate the reader at the same time. So what are
1: some of your favorites? Oh my gosh, Pick I know they're all favorites. favorites <laughs> I mean, it would be like asking someone their favorite children. How about, how about a few highlights? A few highlights, well, you know, first of all, Michael Gannon's story about the first real Thanksgiving, Um, many people out there would know the late Michael Gannon who was an Mm -hmm. esteemed historian. One of my professors. A wonderful, and a wonderful man and so knowledgeable. And he has two stories in the anthology. One is about the first real Thanksgiving, and this is sort of the story heard around the world because it turns out it wasn't Plymouth Rock, but most likely it was in St. Augustine. So that's a really fascinating story, as well as the story he did about how Coquina, the Coquina Shell, saves St. Augustine because the Coquina is so soft that when the British would send their cannonballs over in the fort, Uh, um, that protects St. Augustine, they would bounce off rather than destroy the (laughs) fort. So we have a a lot of stories like that. Um, Wonderful. We go, as I was saying earlier, 14,000 years from the first Floridians, and we end with the um, environment, a section on the environment. And our last story is by the late Harry Cruz. Oh, one the, of my
0: professors Another also. <laughs> one of your professors,
1: who is known, you know, uh, sort of a grit, hard-edged southern writer, <laughs> very interesting writer. Well, this piece on the Suwannee River and how it evokes memories of his uncle is just this most beautiful, lovely, gentle piece, and it's lovely. So we go from the first Floridians and end with Harry Cruz, but in the meantime, we also have stories about, well, one that I love is, most people would know um, Mary McLeod Bethune, Mm -hmm. who is the educator from Daytona Beach, who started Bethune-Cookman College and many, many other things, and is now, represents Florida in Statuary Hall in the nation's capital. And she, um, you know, as, a, as an African-American woman, of course, her life was very restricted in terms of things she could do and places she could go. But that didn't stop her from gaining incredible influence nationally. Very, she was involved in the Roosevelt administration, a good friend of Eleanor Roosevelt. Well, during World War II, things were very hard on Daytona Beach, a tourist town. So the city fathers, or in this case the city mothers, came to Mary McLeod Bethune and said, "Mary, can you help us? Can you convince the Roosevelts to put the Women's Auxiliary, the Women's Army Auxiliary Corps training center in Daytona Beach to help the economy?" She got on the phone, and next thing you know, the Women's Army Auxiliary Training Center was in. Saying it was in Daytona Beach. Ironically, of course, she could not sit in a, uh, at a lunch counter in Daytona Beach. So, But this is a wonderful story that we have that tells this story. And we have Marjorie Kinnan Rawlings' uh, letters to her husband, Norton Baskin, during World War II. So we have some intimate stories like that that I think are wonderful. Philip Caputo, who is a, um, a uh, Pulitzer Prize winner, writes about Literary Key West back in the days of mm. the 70s and 80s. Just fascinating stories about that. Um, just, I'm trying to think of like, There's so many to bring out. We have a wonderful me- memoir from a, a woman who grew up on the Space Coast in Cocoa Beach in the 60s. And her father was an engineer.
0: At NASA. At probably. NASA.
1: And she just talked about what that was like as they were putting a man on the moon. And what it was like for a kid growing up there. Uh, Just, we have also stories that show, you know, Florida as a place that was like much of the country, um, suffering from the Jim Crow years, and Mm -hmm. we have actually these two stories that I'm about to mention were in part what made me feel that an anthology was so important because there were so many things in these archives that people should read. And these two stories are called Parallel Lives, and it's about two people, a, man, a young man and a young woman, growing up in Florida at the same time at the end of Jim Crow and how their lives were so different. The man was Bill Maxwell a black young man growing up in the 50s and 60s, and the woman was Beverly Coyle, who is the daughter of a pastor, a white young girl, and they wrote these stories just comparing their experiences, and this went on to become a play that went around the state. These stories are in the anthology, too, because it wasn't all... Things were not all beautiful in Florida, Mm -hmm. but it does show how the state has, has grown.
0: Say, I, I was flipping through, and I saw one about mullet, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a very important fish, evidently. It
1: really is, <laughs> yes. And that story was written by Terry Tomlin, the late Terry Tomlin, who was a wonderful outdoor writer for, um, uh, for the, when, then, then the St. Pete Times, now the Tampa Bay Times, who passed away, unfortunately. Um, wonderful story, just really, really I interesting. I happen to st- like
0: smoke Mullet, so I guess... Uh, me too. <laughs> me too. So,
1: you know, it's funny why different stories would stand out to me, but in part, you know, Mullet just doesn't get enough respect, but when you read that story, you see just how much... Um, It's a bait fish, right? That's very important to a lot of fishermen. Yeah, but not just See, I grew up in Miami, and it was considered a bait fish. When I moved up here, I saw, hey. It's a delicacy. It's a delicacy. (laughs) It is darn good. So, um, yeah, I learned a lot about mullet from reading Terry's story. It was a wonderful story. Um, We were talking earlier about Eric Deggans, Mm
0: -hmm. who is. NPR commentator.
1: An NPR commentator, and I think the first um, TV critic. For NPR. That's true. And he is wonderful. And while I was editor for him, I asked him to write a story about how Florida's image was shaped by TV depictions. And he did a wonderful job on that. I mean, everything from Miami Vice and just to, to things that you may not have heard of. And movies, too. And, and movies, too. And um, great story. And that's included in the anthology.
0: That's great. He actually um, pushed that out on social media to let people know about your book and also to know about his story. Yeah. So he's a he's an amazing wordsmith as well. He
1: really is, and that's the one thing I would like to stress about this book: the storytelling in this book is beautiful we have fabulous writers I mean just locally and I hesitate to even mention any because I know I'll forget but Cynthia Barnett Mm -hmm. who is everyone's familiar with her an environmental writer who is her latest book is Uh, Sound of the Sea, about seashells, and she's a fantastic writer. She wrote the most magnificent tribute to Bill Bevel, who is a late environmental writer who wrote about rivers and many other things, and her writing is fantastic. Jack Davis, Mm -hmm. who won a Pulitzer for his book on the Gulf, and is a history professor here as well as a very well-known author. He has two stories in there, one on the Gulf, because the story that led to the book Mm -hmm first appeared in Forum. and he also has a story about Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and her work with the Everglades. And just just beautiful Darcy McMahon from the um, Florida Museum of Natural History has a wonderful story about Francisco Menendez, who was um, a, a freed enslaved African who became head of the militia at Fort Mose, which was the first free black, Settlement in America located right outside of St. Augustine. Wow. So we have Steve Knoll, a history professor here, writes about um, how sports shaped Florida. And you'll learn something that I didn't know, and maybe m- many people did know, but Jackie Robinson, when he broke the co- color barrier in baseball, it wasn't when he was up at the Brooklyn Dodgers. It was here in Florida when he was on the Brooklyn Dodgers farm team, the Montreal oh, wow. Royals. So, there's, so there's,
0: just, there's a million stories there's in There's a million book.
1: stories in the big city, and there's a million stories in our anthology. So one
0: more time, the way to um, become a member of the Florida Humanities
1: and to get the book, what is the web address? It's floridahumanities.org. And once you go there you'll you'll see it. You'll you won't have any trouble finding it from there.
0: Sounds great. Well, Jackie, thank you very much for coming on
1: and congratulations on the book. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it so.
0: That was Jackie Levine speaking about her new book, Once Upon a Time in Florida, on today's episode of Tell Me About It. To listen to previous episodes of the show, go online at wuft.org tellmeaboutit or on the WUFT media app. I'm Sue Wagner on Tell Me About It on WUFT.